Well, I think it's those problems that people don't really know where else to go to. You don't want to go to HR because it all becomes very messy and I'd love to hear about those sorts of areas because they can really affect people's entire lives. Hello and welcome to a new kind of Working It episode. We do our best on this show to shed light on the world of work. I've talked about productivity problems, how to schmooze your bosses and the death of the Friday evening pint. Now I want to tackle your workplace problems head on and I've teamed up with my friend and colleague Jonathan Black to do it. Jonathan, who you heard at the top of the show, is the director of the Careers Service at the University of Oxford and the author of the Dear Jonathan Career Advice column in the FT. Between us, we think we can help you with your workplace woes. We've opened an online voicemail where you can send your career dilemmas for us to solve on the show. You don't need to leave any details if you don't want to, but either way, we're here to help. In this episode, we'll talk about dealing with micromanagers, how to cope with a new, younger colleague being paid more than you, and how to ask your boss if you can work abroad indefinitely. Let's get started. Jonathan, welcome. Great to be here as ever with you, Isabel. Right, let's get started on our first workplace problem. I've been with my employer for two years and we have a new recruit in our team who's the same age as me. Despite the fact they have less experience and no academic qualifications, they'll be in a management role and paid more than me. I perform well, I've had reasonable pay progression and I've never had an issue doing late nights. How do I address the fact I've been overlooked by management without seeming petty? Well, honestly, I, you know, you'd have to be a saint not to feel aggrieved you, by this, wouldn't you, Jonathan? I, I agree. And, and you can just hear the person going home at night and saying to friends, partners, whatever, you know, these people, this person's been brought in and what have they got that I haven't and what's happened? And is it just favoritism or whatever it may be? Can, can we just pick up that last word? There's nothing petty about looking after your own career. Let's not minimise this issue. Um, the issue, though, is you do have very asymmetric information. You know all about you and what you've done. In fact, you've laid it out for us here. But you don't know what this other person has done and you don't know what management was looking for. So essentially, in, in questions like this where something, let's say, mysterious to you has happened, we look into the void, we look into the, the information gap essentially. Yeah, I th I and that's quite a hard thing to do, but I see why you're saying that. I mean, it could be a bit of a challenging question to the manager to say, I'm just interested, how did they get the job? What do they bring? What skills, therefore, should I go out and get? I think there are two other things going on. I think there's a phenomenon, though, that when we get hired into an organisation, we're hired at that position. And it's very difficult for people to see you in a higher role or a different role at all. It's the challenge that internal candidates always have when they're applying for senior, more senior roles. But we saw you as this person. What, what are you doing applying for a management role? That's why often you have to move to another organisation. Is it also partly to do with our human desire for novelty? Do you think, you know, the new thing, the shiny thing is always yes. better than the existing thing? Yeah, because we know all about the existing thing. We know all about their... You know, their perhaps points. they don't make the tea properly or they don't buy their round. Do you know they're what I mean? Not something enough. something <laughs> really petty yeah. might be holding them back. And it's not something that you can articulate. The new person will come in with their flaws, but we don't know their flaws, Indeed. do we? Indeed. I mean, it happens again and again and again, doesn't it? It does. And they bring in the new person. And then, of course, it is that shiny and new. I mean, you can't get over the shiny and new if you're not the shiny new thing. But I suppose you can try to, as, as you've explained, try to get them to see you in a different light. 
Yes. But that may be insurmountable. It may be. It's very difficult. I mean, whenever uh, internal candidates go for interviews, certainly with us, I will always say, pretend you don't know us. And actually, I may not know everything you do and assume I don't know everything you do. So, so that's good. Go to it fresh. Yes. And it doesn't matter if you tell me stuff you think I know, but I've got, assume we don't know you. Oh, that's really interesting. That's like uh, the advice to refresh your relationship, isn't it? By, you know, when you go to a bar and pretend you don't know each other. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that might be inappropriate. No, I, okay. Yes. Well, it, that's quite good. Uh, yeah, I like that. So it is about... Um, it's uh, about, yeah, making something old into something new. Yes, and how, how people will see you in the new light. So you might have come back with new skills or new um, uh, qualifications that you've got. But often, I certainly I remember when I, my first company I worked at, there was a joke going around that to get promoted, you had to leave mm. and come back two years later, and you would always come in at a much higher level. This um, boomerang thing is really happening a lot now, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, no, maybe this person does have to leave, but at least they're addressing the question. And, and it, as you say, it's not petty. I mean, I'd be pretty annoyed if that happened to me, frankly. I think we all would, wouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, but, but don't waste the energy on resentment because you can't do anything about that. They've been there two years. That's pretty respectable in their 20s. You've got a job. Focus on doing your own job. Don't worry about the rest of it. And the other bit of your energy is on finding a different job. Okay, let's pick up on resentment because actually when we read these problems of which we get many... There's a lot of resentment at the heart of almost all of them, isn't there? Have you got any tips for overcoming resentment? It's easier said than done, frankly, isn't it, Jonathan? It is. And you can stoke the fires of resentment by just continually talking about it, bearding people in the pub and, until your best friend tells you to, OK, like, that's enough. I completely agree. Right. Let's go to the next question. I've worked in financial markets for about 35 years. I work for a fund I helped build from scratch, but I want to see out my final few years working remotely overseas. How should I sell this to my employer and my team? I'll work just as hard and be just as dynamic, but at the same time feel more driven and creative with a fresh context away from the UK. That is from a man in his 50s, which I think is relevant. I think that is, although I'm quite intrigued that in their 50s, he's already thinking my final few years. Um, I mean, there are plenty of pieces out there now saying you know, it's bad for your mental health to retire ever. So it may not be a final few years. It may no. be quite a lot of few years. And this person's obviously very driven. And actually, it's interesting they're using the phrase, you know, I'll be more driven and creative. Perhaps they feel a bit stale. But is it about the physical location or is it something deeper than that? I mean, obviously, we're reading into it, but I think there's something quite mm. interesting there. So wanting a change, which is always a good thing to do. And if you can get the change not in your work, but in some other part of your life, so people buy second homes or they get allotments or they, they take on some volunteering or some board roles, of course, to scratch that particular itch about needing a change. So yes. Maybe this is one of them of working away. I suppose we don't know how committed this employer is to remote well, and overseas <clears throat> work. It sounds yeah. like not very if they're asking us for their advice. And let's back right up. You've got the right to ask to work away, but the employer doesn't have to give it to you if it's not going to fit. But you, can, you don't have to work for that employer. You might have to go to another employer who's more flexible. There's plenty of websites out there that will tell you this company likes one day a week, two days a week, whatever. But bear in mind, it's not your right. No. So, yes. And so now we've got to sell it to um, your manager why you want to do it. What's in it for them? I'm also a bit surprised that they're managing a team and they propose never to be with them. That doesn't sound good. 
Personally, I think we're all human beings and social animals, and we need to be in the same room at times, maybe a day a fortnight, a day a month. I think if he can say, well, I'm going to live generally away, but I'll be in like 10%, 20%, then that might be more acceptable, one week in four or something. And I know you've covered this in working it. Uh, there's an element of presenteeism. Mm -hmm. that if you're around, people remember you and somehow you get the projects and you, uh, and you get remembered and you get the interesting work. And just frankly, it's more fun. So it's not all or nothing. Some flexibility. Maybe this employer will be good, but I think they better be ready to offer some flexibility. Yeah, and it's also about whether the, whether the priority is to move abroad or working remotely or whether the priority is to just make a change. You know, if if moving overseas is actually what they want to do above all things, they as you say, they may have to change jobs or do something differently because... Become a consultant. Become a consultant. <laughs> yeah, but abroad brings you all those lovely challenges of perhaps foreign languages and certainly foreign cultures, different ways of working. You'll bump into different social networks. You could sell some positives there. Kind of a bit of an iceberg issue, that one, I think. There's a lot of moving parts, but I'm, in, I'm interested in the compromises, perhaps, yes. where, where the answer sits. And I don't think the pendulum's finished swinging yet. No. I mean, two years ago, we all thought, this is great, we can all work from home forever. And now it's swinging back the other way and it, it won't settle. Right, it's time for our final question. I have a manager who does not support my professional development. I asked other senior managers for feedback, and based on what they told me, I spent my own time and money on professional training and activities to improve my soft skills. When my manager heard about this, she started giving me negative performance reviews, saying I'm not focused, even though she didn't have examples. What can I do? Jonathan. Unsupportive managers are tricky. I mean, they take against you for unclear reasons. They might not even realise why they're taking against you. It sounded to me that this manager's feeling the person's not being loyal or committed enough. It feels like there's a certain possessiveness going on here. Yes, it's, it's not about their work at all, is it? It doesn't sound it. And it's also, well, it's a very Theory X view of the world that staff must be 100% locked into the organization. Oh, I mean, tell us what Theory X is. I'm... Well, there's Theory X and Theory Y, and Theory X is originally about we just measure input and we put you on the clock and we're going to measure that. Theory Y is much more progressive, which is what we would like people to be Theory Y, trust people, measure the output, not the input. What I think we've got going on here is a person, uh, and a manager, who is thinking this employee is not dedicating 100% of their time, therefore there's something going wrong here, which is, which is, of course, going to have the reverse effect of what the manager wants. Because now the employee who's asked this question is going to feel even less motivated. It's, a, it's perhaps a paradox for people who aren't used to it to actually let go a bit. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? We can't control other people. The manager is insecure. I would say that this person is doing absolutely everything to put themselves on a path to getting another job. Yeah, but they may not want to go to another job just yet. While they're working for that other job, the person can have a meeting with the manager, maybe have HR or a third party there, but just to first of all, reaffirm their loyalty to the organization and say, look, but I do want to progress my career. And wouldn't it be great if you could support me and help me do that? Because it would reflect well on you. So it's again, it's putting yourself in the manager's position. who's obviously feeling threatened and, and be sympathetic to them. Try to get away from this adversarial discussion with them. 
That's a very good point because there is something very adversarial built into this, I think. And also the fact that the manager wasn't giving examples of how the employer wasn't focused, it would be useful to drill down onto that because that's the pinch point, isn't it? That they don't have examples. It's no. actually a, it's a feely, it's not a, a doing. It's not. There's no concrete evidence here. Right. So let's reverse the feeling and say, no, no, I do. I am loyal. And I do want to make this work. But realistically, I'm young. I want to stay in the organisation. Wouldn't it be great if you could? Uh, support me and help me, and it would reflect well on you. I mean, this is the classic uh, managing upwards of explaining to your manager a progressive and inspirational way to behave. So uh, you've been amazing, and I just can't wait for you yeah. to support me. And, and actually, I'd like your advice on the sorts of things I could go for. People love having their advice, no. sort, don't they? Yeah. So rather than going down this rather adversarial route, because that, that way leads to disaster yes. and on both sides yes. and you get into complaints and we don't want that. We want to smooth this over, reflect that we're human beings and think about the other person, what's going to um, motivate them to help you. Jonathan, we want our listeners to submit their problems. Could you give them a steer and let them know what kind of issues you really want to help with? Well, I think it's those problems that people don't really know where else to go to. So, for example, bullying at work, toxic cultures, generally feeling unfulfilled, the stuff that you don't want to go to HR because it all becomes very messy and you end up in a formal process which can take years. But there are ways through that. So I'd love to hear about those sorts of areas because they can really affect people's entire lives. Thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm sure some of you out there have problems like that. Remember, you can submit them using the link or URL in the episode description. You can also send an email to isabel.berrick at ft.com. Please do send in your questions and we'll get them answered. See you next time. This episode of Working It was produced by Misha Frankel-Duval and mixed by Simon Panay. The executive producer is Manuela Saragossa and Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. Thanks for listening.